Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to Preds Power Hour on a different day. We're doing this on a Saturday because the NHL trade deadline came and went on Friday, so we wanted to save. You know, just anything where it's like, of course, like that's something that happens to all big podcasters is you spend a lot of time on an episode and you're like, this is what's going to happen. And this is like, I think we're done. And then something big breaks right after uh, mm-hmm. anything I do, Tennessee, it just it seems like it, it just never fails. Uh, someone to commit something to happen. Sky Giddy. Like it's just always something to happen. Show cause, you know, show stuff cause like, that. like that, there's just all kinds of stuff uh, <laughs> that happens here at the University of Tennessee. But we love it. Brian and I specifically. I feel like Jeff is a Vanderbilt guy because he oh, yeah. shares Vanderbilt stuff. And I didn't want to say anything when you were talking about uh, you want to talk Tennessee football before we get started here, Brian, because I was like he shared like two. And I don't know if he accidentally did it because that's like the only thing that would make sense to sharing anything Vanderbilt related. Seriously? Is it like it was an accident? Wow. But wow. I think he's a genuine Commodore fan, which I am. Look, more power to you, Jeff. Um, I'm just upset that we're still latched to you guys when we switch to <laughs> the 14 team conference with OU in Texas, where it's like we have to still play you every year because well, you're our natural rival. But is it a rivalry when we win 56 to nothing? Like just this hey, past it's year? A, it's a rivalry when we beat you guys with a buzzer beater on the. <laughs> they did do that. That was pretty good. Hey, that but, was brutal. And then you guys, and then, and then. Mm-hmm. You lose to Missouri on another mm-hmm. on another buzzer beater. Yes, uh, I, I can't tell you anything about a late lo- a late season loss to Missouri ruining things. I, I wouldn't know <laughs> anything about that. Um, but no, no, I think it's it's nice for us to be nice to Jeff uh, yeah. about this because again, and be fair to the commissioner, you know, the SEC because you know those fourteen game the fourteen teams like, they're going to take away one of the cupcake games, and so that's mm-hmm. nice that we get to retain Vanderbilt for that's that true. purpose. A guaranteed yeah. one win. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, I, and I love the Vanderbilt thing too. It's like that's how you know it's on a rivalry when it's like if Tennessee's head coach loses to Vanderbilt, you get fired. Like that's it. Like that's yeah. something. It's like I don't know if it's in the contract, but it should be in the contract. You lose the Vanderbilt game, you're out. I don't care if Hypo loses it ever. Don't care how much I love him. Got to be out. Let's, like let's, let's 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 be a little easy on that one. There, we're we're on our way up. Okay, okay. Uh, oh, we're on, on our way, way up. up. It'll right. take it'll take a little bit, but we're on. Hey. We they 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 won some good games this year football football wise, they won some fine. they won some games they were they were better than I thought they would be let's they say they almost that. went bowling, yeah they they're better than I thought they would be and that's okay mm-hmm. that's yeah I'll take it I mean there you go I actually like it's baseball that really bothers me like the Vandy boys and like Tim Corbin and like we still don't know who outed Bytello and why he had to serve that suspension. One SEC coach, we don't know who it is, but people have theories on which <laughs> SEC coach uh, potentially dimed out uh, Tony Vitello and what happened there with a stupid, just plain ticket. Like, what are we doing, folks? What Too are, much swag. Too much what swag. What are we That's doing? Got in trouble. You can't keep us down. Tennessee, like, they may not lose another baseball game again. We're nearing double <laughs> digits in a row. You got to be out. Notre Dame first. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm leading in. I'm I'm giving Jeff these moments, Brian. Yeah, it, I mean, it's all it's I one thing, it's, it's it's one all thing I to give him Vanderbilt, but when he starts talking about Notre Dame, oof, <laughs> yeah. oof. No. It's all we, got. we got hockey though, right? We Still? do have hockey, and the thing that brings us together—it's not mm-hmm. Tennessee and Vanderbilt, unfortunately. No, no. it's the National Predators. Um, that, woof. A lot has happened. It's amazing to think about where we were last week with Greg and uh, what we were talking about. They're like, they might do a little thing. They might just move home. I guess that's a possibility. Like, maybe they'll do that. Maybe after the year, they'll bring in Barry Trotz and somebody will retire. Maybe they'll do something. Barry Maybe. Home. But <laughs> they were like, you know, the press power hour really set things in motion for us that's where it. it's like, we read the temperature in the room. The Preds fan base was chomping at the bit for this. This was actually something only so many catfishes can be thrown onto the ice during a live game where it's like, maybe we actually have to do this thing we have not done in the history of the Nashville Predators to this point. And that is detonate this entire franchise into the into the sun. Because this is uncharted waters all across the board. Crazy trades, some lopsided, some not. Like, new enter new guy into the full Barry Trotz, exit David Paul. Like, there is so much to parse through on this Preds power. I, 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 would, I would guess 
that we'll never have this much stuff to cover in a week span ever on this program again. Like this is the amount of stuff that you would think is drawn out over the course of a full calendar year, maybe two calendar years. It all happened in a week's time. Trade oh, deadline week. We Brian, haven't done, we haven't done a draft show with you, have we, Chase? I oh bet you that goodness. might that one might be pretty busy too. But yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, Especially you're leading year. the charge here. That's yes. I'm just setting the scene here a little bit. And yes. before though, before we go? before we do trade deadline stuff, the most important thing to happen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to the Nashville Predators and the Nashville Predators organization actually happened late last night. Mm. Um, in the middle of a, I think at the point time, about five minutes left in the third period, the uh, Milwaukee Admirals and who was it? Uh, oh, Stars, Texas Stars. I think, yeah. Texas Stars. Milwaukee was down five of one. Wasn't great, but they were really getting chippy. Um, really good, like clean hit by uh, Navrin Mutter, which is a name I still don't think is real. Okay. Um, uh, you know, he gets a big hit on a guy, big line, line clearing brawl, like, you know, probably 10 guys. And then. Oh, John does the radio for for the Admirals. All the, it's, the cameras panned in, and he goes, "Oh my God, the goalies are coming out!" And sure enough, here comes Yaroslav Askarov attempting to when he comes into view, attempting mm. to take his jersey off like he's in the parking lot of a Waffle House. And and we had us a really awesome goalie fight. And mm-hmm. I have to tell you, it's I, I and Jeff can probably tell you too, like. I was one of those people who saw them take him with the 10th pick that year and was like, oh, come on. You don't take a goalie with the 10th pick. I mm. take back everything. He's the greatest <laughs> goaltender to ever play hockey, and I'm so happy that that he's a part of the organization because oh, the boy's got so much swag, and he's got personality, which is you know something that the NHL has zero of now that PK's retired. And, uh, yeah, it's good. I just That was the most important thing. I didn't want to put it at the end because, obviously, you know this had to be important. GM stuff is fine, but... This was this was important. So if you get a chance to go look that up on the uh, on YouTube, do that, and and you know we'll move from this topic with just some lyrics from a great poet um, uh, that said that said that uh, we nuckin, we buckin, we ready to fight. You better grab them things, because and I, yeah, yeah, just I mean yeah, it's 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 good. It's very very good. But we can go on to the important stuff now, or less important but still important stuff. Is hockey just, the only sport where it's like encouraged when the, like it's a good sign where you're like, oh, he our goalie wants smoke. Like it, when you see stuff like that, like you're like, oh, this is a positive development. We were down on this player. But then when he did this, we yeah. were more in. We're like, OK, he actually is about it. He has that dog in him in a different. Uh, he does have that sense. dog in him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so, because it's just it's one of those like cause a lot of times you see these big fights and you'll look at the goalies and they're standing there just being like, OK, and <laughs> you, you sometimes you'll see them look at each other like. We can mm-hmm. do this. Like, let's do this. Like, I, I'm fully convinced that there was no, like, neither goalie was like, I want to fight that guy. They were just like, I want to participate. And <laughs> I'm glad it happened because it's goalies. They're weird as it is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, you know, you let it, and, you know, a goalie fight's almost never a bad thing. I can't think of a, a, a time where it would be a bad thing. I mean, mostly it's a good thing. Like maybe, you know, Jordan Bennington gets beat right center eyes. That'd be kind of cool. But, you know, he always catch Trace on this podcast. I just want to say, I just want to say that, uh, first of all, Brian's right. I was, I was, even though I loved Yaroslav Askarov, uh, for like during the 2020 draft, taking him 11th overall was not something that I was like super happy about. I knew he was Mm going to be good. I I, like, I, I had a feeling that he was going to be good because he's just insanely athletic. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, taking goalies that early is something that kind of terrifies me, Mm -hmm. but not too long ago. I tweeted this out not too long ago. Yaroslav Askarov was getting hate from everybody for throwing a stick and being bad in the World Juniors and yada yada yada. And now he is he's, a legend. He's, he's fight. Yeah, he's he's benching. He's benching the net. He's fighting goalies. He he's one of the best. The net. Go- he's one of the best goalies in the AHL at 20 years old. Like mm-hmm. the kids, the kids insane. He's so good. Yeah, it, he's it's it's going to be really really fun to watch him. Uh, I will tell you this though, Chase. If you haven't had a chance to sit and watch him play in a game, he's mm-hmm. incredibly athletic. He's so mm-hmm. skilled. Mm-hmm. He will absolutely cause my early death and, and like from yeah. cardiac arrest because he is one of those guys that's very exciting to watch. I mm-hmm. mean, like, but he's going to do stuff that you're going to be like, oh god! Like if you weren't so good, that would have blown up in your face. He's heart attack inducing. Yes, he it's, is. But. It's so good though because like he'll do things where he'll go out and he'll play the puck and he'll 
fire it up the up the up the ice and it'll just be like perfect like yeah he'll come way out of his net he'll play the puck and Mm. he'll do funny spin moves or whatever and then he'll send it up the ice tape to tape to to one of his forwards it's like so is he just doing his own mixtape out there is that yeah yeah. is he just a youtube goalie is he a tiktok goalie what what's happening here the person who runs milwaukee social told me that it's literally impossible for them to try to get a candid picture of him in practice because as soon as he notices that that, that they're out there, he he just he's always mugging at the camera, like just always. He'll be sitting there like in net and just turned and looking, like he's. I mean, it's just you gotta love that because you yeah. just you don't see it, you don't see it in hockey. Get us a little. He can be our. He can be hockey's Deion Sanders. I'll take that. Prime time. Yeah, that's the first time that sentence has ever been uttered. Mm-hmm. It can be our hockey's Deion Sanders. I don't think you hear that very often. Mm-mm. Um, well, there you go. Where are we going first in terms of the trade deadline, Brian? Well, How do you want to leave this thing sh- off? Maybe should we should do this in chronological order because <laughs> what mm-hmm. I have for number three was actually number four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the first thing that happened, I was sitting in Goodwill. So, but yeah, we'll talk about that one first. The the first trade. There you go. Okay, where are what? Here we yeah. go. This is oh, yeah. for Jeff. Yeah. So go ahead, Jeff. What was the first trade that happened last week? Uh, the Predators traded Nino Niederreiter to the Winnipeg Jets. Who you thought was getting moved. I think Nino was who you said a yeah, couple weeks ago that was yeah. the most likely guy. Him, uh, yeah, I think it was, I think I said, I actually said I think Fabro was the guy I thought would be moved. Um, but Nino was one of the guys that I was pretty confident would be mm. out of here. Um, I mean, I thought it was, I thought, like, I'm, you know, I think, I think it was smart. Because since that was the first move, I was kind of like, you know, we're, we're on the right track. So, um, you know, I was happy that even though I thought the return was a little underwhelming, um, I was totally okay with, you know, the move, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't mad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, it's weird because Nino Niederreiter is obviously very good. He mm-hmm. had almost 20 goals with this predators team and that's impressive in itself. Um, and I thought that he could have gotten a little more considering mm. what happened later down the line. Yep. Um, which we'll get to. <laughs> yes, which we'll get to. Um, but I don't know. It's it's weird to, like, I thought maybe maybe it wasn't that Niederreiter could have fetched more. Maybe it was that they could have waited to trade him and mm. wait for somebody to, you know, come calling like a Carolina who didn't do a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need scoring. So I'm not sure it's, it's, it was a good trade. Obviously I like, I like the move. I like getting second rounders. Second rounders are very valuable, but I'm, I'm not sure that he got kind of, or they got all of what they could have gotten in return. That was kind of where I was at after. And I'm still kind of there a week later or close to a week later. Hmm. Brian, I feel like that was where Preds fans, like the Nino one was like, uh-oh. If that's what the value is, like this is going to be a really depressing week where they're going to sell off and Dave Poyle's not going to get good returns on a lot of important pieces. And you're like, this is not great. And this was like what we were kind of concerned about over the last month of like, are we sure you want Dave Poyle leading the rebuild? Are you sure you want him to be the man responsible for tearing this thing down? Like, you, are, you, are you damn positive that that is the route you want to go? And then things change. But what did you what did you think about the Nino Hall? And after everything, I think we have to now talk about it in context of everything that happened after. Are yeah. you feeling better about it after? Yeah, everything? I mean, so when I saw it, I mean, it was one of those where I thought he, yeah, because he, I mean, he had the characteristics of this being a trade to be a rental, but he has another year, correct? Is that right, Jess? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought, you know, in a vacuum that, that I was like a, a second next year, is mm. okay. You th- you would have thought. I was hoping maybe that they could have gotten maybe a player out of it with that. I would have been okay with maybe a prospect, something like that. But I mean, you know, it's not often a team's going to trade uh, trade their second leading goal scorer, um, which is kind of crazy. But you know, I think it was it was a good signing when it happened. I liked it. He was really good. He had one of those quietly productive seasons. He kind of reminded me of of uh, <laughs> of Craig Smith, where you'd just be like, oh yeah, he does have 20 goals, huh? Like It's just mm-hmm. one of those where it happens. Um, but, you know, if, if I had to grade it, again, before knowing what else was going to happen that day and beyond, 
I, I like B minus because it was mm. it could have been worse. I've seen some of the returns I'm, that that people have gotten for other players, uh, star players even, uh, and so I was like, yeah, it's B minus. It's not great, but it wasn't actively harmful, you know. Mm. And it's 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 one of those things where that's a guy that if you're going to be focusing on a rebuild, that he's probably not he's probably not going to want to be around for that. You know, he probably thought that this would be he'd give Nashville these two years to try to make one big push. And so I think it probably worked out good for him as well. It's also better for him, right, not to end up in, with the Sharks. I didn't really feel like the that would make sense context No, that would, have been a, that would have been like one of the Fabro or, or those yeah. kinds of... Yeah, I mean, he was... Nino was going to go to a somebody contender. in... Yeah, contender. And I was very surprised, though. And I say I will mark it. I think I marked it... Or I'd say it's a B- minus just for the fact that don't trade Nino to a division rival. Come on now. Mm. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's also why I was kind of confused why they didn't get much more back. Mm. Is because not only were they trading a guy with uh, a year left of extra term at a very ca- a very team friendly kind of deal, but he, they traded him to a division rival. Mm. And I like and as I, I know that it's not like the Preds are competing with Winnipeg for anything, but it's still you're helping out. You're, he's going to be in the division next year. So mm. I don't know. But it was it's $4 million off the books this year and next. Mm-hmm. So That's yeah, right. take There's that. a lot of money off the books, Brian. Uh, <laughs> there were a lot of, a lot of moves that uh, took some money off the books. Where are we going next? Um, so I guess right after, because I hadn't left the store yet when this happened, <laughs> is um, my phone got really hot in my pocket. <laughs> and um, I, it buzzed pretty much constantly for about a span of five minutes because they announced that uh, General Manager David Poyle is stepping down effective June 30th and being replaced by former head coach Barry Trotz. First time executive <laughs> Barry Trotz. And, you know... We, we, we talked about this last week a little bit, um, you know, and I, I Greg made, nailed it, by the way. He, he said Greg Barry Trotz. He yeah. said Trotz would be the GM at the end of this year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought I did make the point of saying that, like, you know, I made the unfortunate comparison to if you're going to try and go after past glory, don't do it by getting guys that you used to have. And, you know, cause you don't want to be like Chicago. Uh, I don't know how this is going to go. And for all intents and purposes, the trade deadline moves were mostly made by David Poyle, from what I hear. Um, but, you know, apparently Trotz has been kind of helping out behind the scenes for a while. And I, I kind of think this is a little bit of revisionist history. But, they, you know, Poyle said that uh, he had, you know, Barry Trotz working with him kind of throughout the season that before the year, he said that they were planning for this day, the day that he was going to announce it. I don't. In my opinion, I don't think that was true. I think mm. that this was kind of a no. I think we need to move this up right now. Yeah, because um, uh, you know they did put you know Richstone Arena together pretty quick for it, but I I think that they kind of saw the writing on the wall, the catfish on the ice, whatever you want to <laughs> say, and um, it did a very good job in getting a fan base that had ninety percent turned kind mm. of back on board. I wouldn't say it got it all the way back, but they would fix that later but it was i think it was a good first step and again J- david poyle's the winningest gm in nhl history um you know he he had all those games with washington he uh he you know then he's been nashville's general manager since day one um and so it's it's you have to say you know nashville isn't nashville and where they are right now and they may not even have a team in nashville without david poyle and with that you know you have to you know, you have to give credit for that because, again, it's it's kind of like what I said when they fired Peter Laviolette, despite my personal feelings for Peter Laviolette, that, you know, Nashville is who they are now because of these, pe- these people. And that's 100% with Poyle. Um, and, you know, Nashville probably won't be able to ever properly thank him, but... You know, it was time. It was it was time. And we've talked about this ad nauseum, I think, now. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how this works out because, again, it's just a brand new GM, someone who has no front office experience. So it's going to be very interesting. I mean, I can't, Jeff, I mean, do you think that – that you, I mean, do you like it if in the terms of not just Poyle not being GM anymore, but, you know, Barry Trotz? Um, it's a little terrifying. <laughs> um. Not necessarily because I don't think Barry Trotz is a smart guy, but um, I think I think the way that his teams were built, how he coached them, like 
what happened to Matt Barzal under Barry Trotz scared me. Like, mm. one of the most creative offensive players that the NHL has seen today is not scoring um, or scoring less. Um, and, you know, it's it's like they, they it's not like the Isles didn't do well um, when that was happening, but it is, you know, after having watched lots of seasons of Philip Forsberg not scoring as many goals as we think he can, um, it's a little terrifying. Um, but it's it's different, though, because he's not coaching. Um, but, you know, it worries me a little bit that he's going to go out and find a coach that where that happens um, because that's kind of how he operates. Um, as far as, you know, I think – as far as him being a good GM that goes, I like, I think he'll be, I think he'll be fine. I don't know. It's, it's just hard to tell at this point, especially because we don't know how involved like he's been with the moves that have been happening now. Like if David Poyle came out and told me that the Tanner, Geno trade was, was Barry Trotz is doing, I'd be like, sign me up. It's like, Mm. like get him in, get him in before, before June 30th. Like that, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's we don't know um and david poyle you're right like it was it was time for him to go like so mm-hmm. much for the city he was he was the architect of this franchise and he he made hockey uh, a you know a staple in nashville like he made he made people want to go to hockey games in downtown nashville because of the teams that he put on the ice and how he built this this franchise up but 26 years is a long time and so um you know it's it's good that he's going out on this note like i i'm very happy that this last trade deadline is how he's going out um and i think i'm gonna give barry trotz the benefit of the doubt until he shows me that he is not capable or not doing a good enough job i'm not gonna be like super critical of the move but i would say that if Nashville fans have, you know, any doubts, I think it's, I think it's fair. Like, I think, I think you have a right to be a little worried, especially like this is a very delicate time in their history and a new GM brings in a whole bunch of different possibilities. Like as much as David Poyle was not doing great, he was stability. So it's, a you know, You've seen franchises get new GMs and they are great. And then you've seen new franchises get GMs and they have been bad for years. So I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities. I will say this on the last thing on this is you're right. It did bring stability, but it, you know, at a point it becomes the kind of stability where you say, yes, I know my car is up on blocks, but it's stable. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of, kind of how it felt. That kind of how it felt like it's not going anywhere. So don't worry about it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, the 2007 so. Honda Accord, where you're like, it gets me where I need to go. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I most like just about every day I'm okay driving to work in it. Like I know yeah. I'm gonna be all right. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna go fast. No. I'm not gonna. <laughs> you're not gonna, <laughs> not gonna get gonna be there. Fun. Where you're gonna, where you're trying to go, you're gonna get yeah. stopped about two hours beforehand every time. Mm-hmm. But oh well. Well, last thing I was gonna mention to you guys too, like, what do you think the makeup will be like with the current staff? Because like obviously Dave Poyle's son Brian is assistant GM and director of hop- hockey operations. You still have Jeff Kilty in there. You have Scott Nickel, who is the uh, assistant GM, but he also runs the Milwaukee Admirals. You go down the list. I wonder, do that anybody do you foresee getting a step up? Because Barry Trotz is a first-time executive. That I wonder if one of those guys are positioned to take a bigger role in I the th- administration. I would say, and this I don't have any insight on this really, but I imagine that those guys may. Like Nichols, I don't. I think they're going to hold on to Nichols. I think they're probably going to hold on to Keelty. Like the Brian Poyle will be kind of a depending on what they want to do thing. But I think this is a case where, especially with a guy like Trotz, he does know the organization. He does know a lot of those executives, but he's probably going to want to keep them around for at least you know like a year to kind of get things transitioned. Mm-hmm. Um, no, not now, not in a front office type of a thing. But I am very excited about the possibility that maybe Nashville could. Uh, uh, retrieve an old goalie coach that used to work with Barry Trotz, uh, uh, Mitch Korn, because mm. that would be awesome. Yeah, he's incredible. No, granted, 
all credit to Nashville's current, which now I'm completely drawing a blank on their current goaltending coach. Vanderklok. Vanderklok, yeah. He's very good, too. Uh, but Mitch Korn is the goalie whisperer. And so with you know what they've got you know in the pipeline, uh, with Nuck if you buck Askarov, uh, it'd be good to have a guy like that. But I don't – I mean, it's kind of hard to tell because like – any other like lots of sports you know you get like oh this guy's gonna be the new gm this guy's gonna be the new coach you know like the guys that are gonna come with them you know like the guys that they keep in the organization but this is you know i don't who does barry bring in for that like you know is uh and yeah it's it's gonna be interesting but uh, you know i also think about this and while you were talking jeff earlier too like it could have been worse you know it could have been a you know we could be watching what's happening in pittsburgh right now with you know how they feel about their gm or in philadelphia or in calgary or in vancouver <laughs> like we could go on and go on so i think pittsburgh was the worst if i was reading the tea leaves correctly over the last week i feel like pittsburgh fans are the most pissed off of any Philly, Philly fans right are not happy. But Philly fans are numb. Like, Philly fans, like, it's just, what are you expecting at this point? If you're still doing the Philly thing year over year, you're like, all right, I think Philly fans understand that, like, this has been mostly chaotic for all the 21st century. Like, you really haven't enjoyed a lot of, like, Pittsburgh's just, won a they, lot of yeah. hockey games, and they've won titles. They still have their vet. Like, I think Pittsburgh fans, their expectations are significantly higher, where it's like... Hey, this is uh, this is not going to work. Where they're making jokes about like uh, their GM going to bed too early. It's never a good <laughs> sign. Where it's like things are happening and our GM's been asleep for three hours. I think I think that you're right. Like they do have higher expectations, but when I look at the Flyers, like mm. it it's not even that you know they have expectations. It's that their general manager is not doing anything. Like he's. He's not even trading away guys that need to be traded. Like he, mm-hmm. like the basic, like the fundamentals of the job, he's not doing. And, you know, like some of the stuff I, I you know, I, I got quotes from Charlie O'Connor at The Athletic, who's awesome at his job. Um, like I, I saw quotes on my, on my timeline on Twitter and, you know, some of the stuff I was kind of like, okay, you know, he can't really help that. But there were some things where Chuck Fletcher saying that the Flyers were like the fifth most improved team in the NHL and like all this other stuff as they are sitting way out of the playoffs. Like I, it's bad there. Like it's, it's, it's to the point where it feels like the general manager is not trying to Ron Hextall is trying to keep them in the playoffs. And by doing, by doing that, he's acquiring, older guys and with, with interesting contracts. Um, but Chuck Fletcher's just, I don't know what he's doing. Like, yeah, I didn't I realize you were ki- you weren't kidding. They didn't do anything. No, they didn't. <laughs> James Van Riemsdyk was not traded. We got Brendan Lemieux. They got Brendan Lemieux for Zach McEwen and a fifth. I think like he didn't do anything. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, huh. I was going Philly up, fan. Like, what if- what is their best run? Like I'm looking at like the last few years. Like so, you're uh, looking at would have, probably would have been the Cup final, and which was when the Blackhawks first Cup 2010. Yeah, yeah. yeah so That's we're looking point. at 13 years. That's what I'm saying. Like it's been a long time. Like yeah. it's just. At least that's the one I can remember. I don't know if there was one after that where I was. You were you were like four, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the majority <laughs> of my life is they're not good. Yeah, I mean, the only, I will say this: the only difference between what's going on in Pittsburgh and and, and what's going on in Philadelphia is mm. that I have enough Flyers friends that I feel slightly bad for them. Yeah, I don't have any. Um, this is all just petty and spitefulness, but I have no, you know, sympathy for Pittsburgh. <laughs> Let them burn. So. There you go. Um, where are we going next, Brian? Uh, yeah, so next on the list was um, the trade that I still can't believe that happened and is the first time it's ever happened in NHL history. Um, previously undrafted free agent and uh, Dark Horse Calder candidate Tanner Janot with, what, four goals this season, um, was traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning um, to a GM that I think is usually pretty pretty good pretty smart about this stuff in uh julian brisk voice but uh they got a we can take a breath so i can say it all um a protected first in 2025 which means if it's top 10 then they get the first the next year 
a 2024 second round pick and then a third, fourth, and fifth in the third round for this year. Um, I think Elliot Friedman said that other GMs, like pretty much all like 30 other GMs were just like, what happened and like, why? Why did this happen? And it's Tampa. So they are very much in, they've got like what, like two picks in the next draft or something, like not much left, but they're a good team. They're contenders. They've had a formula that's worked. Um, I'm trying to think of his name. Who was it they added a couple years back, like right at the deadline? It was another uh, Blake Coleman. Coleman, a few that's years it. Ago. Yeah, like it was one of those where, like, yeah, what's this guy gonna bring you? He's like a middle six at best. Like he's gonna be a physical. And then he got to Tampa and blew up, and he did fine and helped them kind of get him along. So that, but that return is like it's almost one of those where like the return was so good. I was like, I almost feel guilty. I don't, but I, you know, it's it's. I mean, there's absolute win. I don't think you can make a better trade at this point for a guy that you put no draft capital into developing. You're paying, you paid him, you know, minimum salary. And then I think he got one extension uh, for not very much. And he's a guy that was not producing this year because he shot something ridiculous like a 19% last year, uh, which we in the industry say is not sustainable. Uh, And so I awesome um any any misgivings that i had about the first trade gone i mean at this point you could have been like you know what because of the tampa trade we're gonna actually turn that into a fourth i'd be like that's fair uh you know it's 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 great i can't a plus uh it's i don't know what else to say about it it's a really good trade i mean and you can definitely tell that there is a theme um rising in the trade deadline this year is that nashville wants to show out this summer at the draft and so and i think they're they're well on their way for that. Jeff, though, on the flip side, does it make you kind of nervous where it's like the lightning good organization that you trust more often than not is like, we'll give up a lot for Tanner Janot where it's like, are we missing something? Is there part of you that's like, is he going to be a star in Tampa Bay? Like, is this something that people are overlooking a little bit about this? That, that was actually going to be my first point was like, you know, Shout out to David Poyle because that was an awesome trade. Like, mm. incredible. I, I've never seen anything like it. And clearly NHL people or people around the NHL have never either. Mm. But Julian Brisebois does not make a move like that if he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, as much as I think Tanner Janot was not good this year, he has he just flat out has not been good. Um, it, it is a little terrifying. Like he, mm. it is, he, he's, he sees something and that, that worries me a little bit. Like I'm not, I'm not expecting Tanner Janot to be 20 goals again or, or like 25 goals again, but you know, they don't need him to be. And so that's the, the Preds needed him to be and the, the lightning don't, which takes off a lot of pressure from Janot. So that's, that's bound to go well for him. But in the end, like, even if he turns into, even if he's what he was last year for the lightning, like I'm not looking back on it and being like, he shouldn't have made that trade. No. Like, every day of the week, do that. I, I don't care if Tanner Janot scores 30 goals next year, like do that every day of the week. That's yeah. Fair. I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the thing, you know, it's all relative. You have to look at, at the market and you see things like, you know what? It's just, yeah, that's the kind of return you get. Um, you know, if you're going to be a player like Tanner Janot, you're going to get that kind of return. And if you're a player like Patrick Kane, you get a fourth round and a second round pick. <laughs> so I had to, I had to throw that in there. I, it's, I just, I'm, uh, I couldn't believe that return, but you know, that was another thing Greg talked about and he was dead on again. So that guy, he should cover hockey for a living. Yeah, he should. Yeah. He should. He should get at it. Um, Matthias Ekholm though. Another one who we all thought was going to get moved, Brian. He gets moved. Another one where it's like, okay, Edmonton. I guess that makes sense. Edmonton's just, they're a weird team to figure out too. It's like just the the ultimate, like Connor McDavid is just something special. Like you just get on Twitter once a week and you'll just see Connor McDavid do something. And you're like, oh yeah, that guy's still just ridiculous. And then you're like, 
Edmonton should really figure it out with Connor McDavid at some point. They should really get it. He, they're <laughs> like the Los Angeles Angels of the NHL is what I've decided. Is where the Angels have had this generational talent for over they, a decade in Mike generous. Trout. And they've they, never they got another one. And they got another one. Well, yeah. for another year. I think he's out. Yeah. I think, I think, I think uh, Shohei too. is out of here after yeah. this year. But then you're like, oh, they can't handle um, a generational talent. And they're just going to really do just no moments, like no McDavid playoff moments, no real cup run until he leaves eventually. And then they trade for Matias at home and you're like, okay, maybe that helps a little bit. I don't know, Brian, what do you think of at and whether or not he moves the needle uh, in Edmonton? I think it's a really good trade for Edmonton. Um, Mm. I'll give them that. I mean, he's got, he's not, he's not an expensive contract. Uh, I mean, he, Let's put it real. I mean, relative to his value, I think, and what he brings. He's veteran uh, in the last few years since P.K. Subban actually was traded away a few years back. Mm. Um, he is no longer a stay-at-home defender. Um, he can carry the puck in. He can he can quarterback your second power play or, you know, even maybe your first. And mm. uh, he's consistent. I mean, he's even like in the times that he's been, you know, struggled a little bit and stuff. He's always either been like pretty consistent defensively or he's getting a little bit of offense to make up for it. And it's one of those that like Ekholm was like next on my list of players jerseys to buy, um, hmm. which should have indicated to me that he's getting ready to go because um, mm-hmm. that's that's happened several times now. Uh, we miss you, Ryan Ellis. Uh, but it, it's it was one of those that like it, he's going to be he's in the prime. He's in his prime. You know, defensemen, they hit their prime later. Um, he's he doesn't he didn't need to be around for this. I think, you know, it, I could tell that it broke his heart to leave Nashville. I think it was one of those where he just was like, I thought I was going to be here for my whole career. But I mean, he, he has to be pretty stoked when he, you know, picked up that assist, his first assist with Edmonton. And he's like, Oh, this is what a power play looks like. An actual real life power play. Oh, wow. Um, And so it was good. And in the, and the return was, you know, fantastic. Again, they've got Edmonton's first round pick in this year's draft. So now they've got two in the first, um, a fourth in 24, which that's it, fine. Um, you know, I say that, but you know, Nashville has some starters that are fourth round picks, you know, so uh, wouldn't you see a fourth round pick, I think? So, it was, yep. yeah. Um, and then Reed Schaefer, who was 30, he's last, 31st pick. Yeah, he was the last, last year's draft. First round. Yeah, he's, um, he's a upside guy. I'll say that. He's a absolutely. There's stuff there. He probably shouldn't have been drafted that high. Um, he's a little bit of a project, but it, it could be exciting. And so that'll be good because Lord knows Milwaukee needs the help right now. Uh, and then Tyson Berry, who I was absolutely convinced was going to be gone before the deadline was finished. Um, Four and a half million dollars. Uh, not bad. He's actually not bad on the power play uh, either. Um, so but I, I didn't I still don't think he's going to be a predator this time next season. Um, which is fine because it's you know it's whatever, but they didn't you know it's good to have that the the healthy bodies now. Um, and then the weird part of the trade, which some people got upset about uh, outside of Nashville, was that they retained four percent of Matias Ekholm's salary, and you can retain up to fifty percent, and that's fine. It's two hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's it, I think it was, and um, you only get three slots of three retained salaries that you can take on, and it, it's. It's hard for me because I was just like, who, who cares? Like, why? Why does that matter? But retaining salary also makes a lot of your moves m- possible. So say they wanted to move somebody like, um, I don't know, for example, like like Roman Yossi. Mm. And they really needed to move him, but like nobody was willing to take on the $9.6 million a year. So you retain part of that. They, they get a cap hit for like seven or six. And that's much more, you know, that's a way that you can make a, You can grease the wheels to make a trade work. Um, it's, the only way, it's the only way that Ryan Johansson and Matthew Shane are getting moved. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, again, I, it's a, it's a big return. I think Barry was kind of a, they didn't want to budge on a second rounder. And so they said, well, here, but I mean, Barry was one of the ones that was projected to go to come to Nashville a couple weeks ago, I think now. So I, I mean, for me, a, I mean, a, a minus just because maybe, but I mean, like to get a guy that was a first round pick last year, um, I, I like it, and you get two in the first. This this upcoming uh, draft is fantastic, just utterly fantastic because they can address. I mean, they've got now they've got needs coming to the draft. They've got needs, and it's just check all you know, check all 
of, all of the above. You know, that's what their needs are now. And so, except for goaltending, I think they're good there. Um, but can they actually play two together? Is that going to be a lot? Let's just get rid of a defenseman and put two in two in the net. Oh no! Or we just don't call up anybody defenseman anymore, and you just play positionless hockey. That's the right way to go. go about it. But um, yeah, I mean, Jeff. I mean, would you? What do you think? I, I still, I, I'm trying to find reasons to not give it an A, but I, I'm coming up short. Yeah, I mean, I I like it. I I knew that once everybody was kind of being moved, I figured Ekholm was out. Um, the four percent retained is a little weird, but it's who cares. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Tyson Berry, like you said, I don't think he's going to be a Pred for very long. I'm a little shocked that he is still a Pred. <laughs> um, but, you know, he'll be useful. He was – I didn't really pay attention to him in the Florida game, but from what I saw, he was fine. Um, Reed Schaefer, I'm going to leave all of that analysis to Eric get on the forecheck because he's way smarter than I am. Um, but from what I've heard, like you said, he's a project, but he has – he is a. I think I saw Eric tweet something about his wrist shot, which is apparently pretty good. Yeah. Um, so that's that's great. Um, and draft capital, like nothing wrong with that. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's not it's not bad at all. I think I think <laughs> I'd probably give it an A minus. Yeah. Um, just because a lot of people were kind of like, that's it, which is a little weird because I think I think it was the fact that Tyson Berry was in there. Um, which was, I think, a, a salary move because Ekholm mm-hmm. uh, wouldn't have been able to fit there. Um, but yeah, I mean, by all accounts, I and it I, seems I, like fans just have a high sense or a high approval of Matias Ekholm. Like I think that's oh, yeah. part of it when these yeah. trades, where it's like, oh, we this guy that we've loved for a really long time that we still think is really awesome should net this kind of number, and they have an idea in their head of what his actual value is. And I think a lot of folks still see him as a star and bring in like kind of like the Tanner Janot trade. Like that that would have <laughs> blown them away way less if that was the the trade oh, for Ekholm. You switch the returns for those yeah. two trades, and I would have been like. That okay. makes sense, right? Yeah. That makes sense. Like I totally, I was like, "There's no way you're gonna do pull that over on on Tampa." But yeah, I mean, it's incredible. And you know, again, like that, we're Nashville doesn't have many guys left from the Cup run. Which you know, who is left? Must, uh, so Johansson, if you count the Cup finals, Johansson was injured by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so Forsberg, Colton Sissons, first line center, Colton Sissons, uh, Roman Yossi, uh, Carrier was a black ace. Uh, Fabro was still in college. UC was there, but he was back up. Yeah, UC. Uh, well, he played some because Pekka sucked in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's about it. I think I can think of. I mean, that's wild. Yeah, no, it's the Predators. That's Minnesota, Chase. That's right. <laughs> Who do you think's next? Which one of next four? Who do you think, or not even who's next? Who do you think is the last one standing? If you had to guess, who is the last one from that cup run? Who, who's the last Pred from that cup run? I mean, who would you guess? Depends on which of the two Forsberg or Yossi retires first, because hmm. they've got long term. They've got the things. I think Johansson will. Johansson could be that guy just for the fact that they they just can't get rid of him. <laughs> um, I, again, I love you. Also, Yossi. I think a lot of folks would guess Saros. It's like if you think you're set there, you're just like he's locked in for a long time. But this I is all going straight. back to Arcelot. The, the, that's what's happening here. Is you you have your guy in waiting, and you're like, I'm ready to move off from UC. We're okay. We're fine. Yeah, I, that. I, I think well, he I gets didn't, moved. I I didn't put that on the outline because that's going to be a topic for next week that we're, I want to spend some time Ooh, on. Okay. Yeah, was, which, which, was, which was yeah was should they have should Saros have been on the market? And I have strong mm. feelings about that, and Jeff knows that. So we but we have strong opposing feelings on this topic so that's okay yeah that's fine hey it's all yeah it'll be it'll be we're supposed to i mean it's okay i mean you're perfect you're perfectly entitled to have your wrong opinion so (laughs) (laughs) don't deny the inevitable brian (laughs) i know (laughs) well um before we wrap up with granlin in terms of nhl stuff jeff let's get you in here with some ahl stuff brian what happened here to set this up for jeff um, Nashville went yard sailing and they saw something and they said, this is however much this is. And Nashville said, nah. And they said, yeah, it's fine. Just take it. I don't need it anymore. And so they, they, you know, dearly departed future considerations. We will miss you. 
mm-hmm. uh, in your time as a pred, but uh, two guys, and I, I purposely put Jeff on this one because I don't know nothing about either of these guys. Um, Rushoff was a big boy. Um, he's a, he's <laughs> the same size as uh, Yakim Kondalik. He's like six 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 seven. I mean, big boy. Uh, that's a huge boy. Um, and so it'll be it'll be good. He's got a nice little shot. Um, he's not quite as. Uh, granted, again, I. I'm a I'm an analytics guy. I'm a guy that doesn't in hockey is like size is one of the least important things. You can still do it, um, but I also have a I may be the biggest Joachim Kondalik fan in the world because he's so big and he skates like a very elegant tall goose, and it's awesome to watch. Um, so and, and Rushoff kind of looks like that too. He's not quite as elegant looking. And I say elegant, it's relative. Um, but yeah, and then Asplund. I, I'm talking about a little place know. called Aspen. Yeah, yeah, where the beer flows like wine. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh huh. Yeah, so Jeff, do you even God, get that reference? I I don't. Like oh, I've, I've women, heard something about it, but I, women I don't. will flock to him like the salmon of Capistrano. Uh, it's okay. Salmon, uh, slamy, Samsonite. Uh-huh. I was way off. Nothing, way Jeff. Our, par- our birds' heads are falling off. Okay, nothing from you. Nothing. That's your homework yeah. for next week. Oh Jeff, my god! Okay, Brian, we're old. Dumb and Dumber is what's happening here. The movie. Okay, Dumb yeah, and Dumber. I, yeah, I know what yeah. that is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but go. now, Jeff, God, please take over because I don't know anything else about these guys. <laughs> um. So yeah, they're very big. Uh, I know that Radcliffe. Um, reading stuff about you know, reading stuff from flyers friend fans i think i that was the the wording is is confusing um or flyers fan friends there we go um they're all uh they know he's big he i think he had a shot to make the roster for philadelphia this this past training camp and didn't because he just wasn't very good and he hasn't been very good in the ahl um with lehigh valley um but I, I'm not. I don't. I don't know a ton either. I know that um, he was. He played ten games with the Flyers last year, and he actually did okay. Um, I think he had like four points or something like that. Four points in ten games. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I mean, this is all Milwaukee help. Like, mm-hmm. there's not much more to get into other than that. It's it's really. <laughs> It's it's two guys that are um, kind of they, they weren't going anywhere with their other organizations. I, I know less about uh, the guy from New York. Um, I don't know how to how do you pronounce his Rushoff. last name? Rushoff. OK, that's what mm-hmm. I thought. Um, yeah, I know less about Rushoff than I do about Radcliffe. Um, but I know that they. Yeah, they're just they're just there to help the admirals. I mean, <laughs> it's they're both big. They're both. They both have some endearing qualities, and they didn't give anything up to get them. They fill a roster spot. They fill a roster spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I will. I will say that Buffalo one uh, nearly gave me a heart attack because my text when I got the notification, all I saw was trade with Buffalo for Rasmus, and I said, (laughs) "Oh what?" (laughs) But no, it's Asplund, which Rasmus Rasmus Asplund is an interesting one, and I tweeted it out because although he has not recreated his defensive production last season into this season. He was a top five defensive player last year by the analytics, like no joke in the entire NHL. He was top five at preventing high danger chances against. And that is so fun for a seventh round pick in 2025. Like Mm. it's probably not going to amount to anything. And you know, but I don't. A seven round pick most yeah, of the time. I, I, I do not care because, like, even though, you know, what the Preds need is offense. I love me a good defensive forward, like, and that kind of production. I don't know. It's just I, I'm I'm very excited. I was very excited when I saw that deal, and I was very eager to tweet about <laughs> how good he was last year because, like. Sabres fans, I think Sabres fans liked him because he was just really good at, at defense. And he, he his offense, I don't think, is really there. Like, I don't think he's a super... Good thing he's in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, 
yeah, I don't think his offense is super, you know, I don't think he's a very creative player. I, don't, I haven't watched a ton of him. Um, but from what I've heard, he's not like a, you're not, you're not missing out on a ton. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like he's just the fact that he, you know, he did that last season. The fact that he's capable of that is just he uh, awesome. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of people, especially if you're not familiar with him, I think his best comparison to people, someone people might go, is he's he's Colton Sissons from like four or five years ago, like a yeah. strong defensive guy. He's going to be in there. You're not going to notice it watching the game, but he's that type of player. And so that is that is good. I mean, just for a seventh round pick, Nashville's done some damage with their seventh round picks. Um, that's how they ended up with Connor Ingram, you know. Mm. So he's doing great. Yeah, for he's doing Nashville. good. Yeah. Good. See, and that's why I'm not worried about Tanner Janot scoring 30 goals next season because the rules say in the NHL bylaws that the only play, that former Nashville players that are allowed to go blow up are the ones that we give away for free. So, yeah. <laughs> Look, we're many forget that Nashville's a nonprofit. Um, <laughs> draft yeah. pick, though, and salary cap breakdown, Brian. This is your bread and butter. So, what after everything has happened here? Well, over almost the last everything. Week? Yes. I think I'm going to tell you, to, to give you another A trade that we briefly oh yes over. granlin uh yes which uh, mikhail granlin the guy that they signed he's got two three more years two and a half more years left on his deal at four million dollars a year um a guy that you said tell us this last year a year before it had been like oh my god no but he has been among analytically and i test he has been among like the bottom eight percent of the nhl as terms of just everything i mean he's he gets he gets he's a playmaker he gets he's able to rack up points through assists but he was having maybe an awful season and i was absolutely certain that if mikhail granlin was going to move at this trade deadline there would be salary retention there would be more pieces going to pittsburgh and instead they gave nashville this year's second round pick and said we're good and um i did get to witness because i talked with um uh, jesse marshall who writes about the uh, penguins for the athletic he you know, we, him and I talked after it happened a little bit. And if you don't get a chance, he did a, a fantastic breakdown about Grandland on, on The Athletic. Uh, please go check it out because it's some of the best writing I've seen in months. It was very uh, thorough. It was yeah, very good. And yeah, and, you know, Pittsburgh fans are mad. And um, that warms my heart. And so it's, you know, it, it's it's fine. And I feel bad because I like Grandland a lot. And I, and I said one of the first things I said that, he isn't as bad as his stats or like what your eyes have shown you for the last year. Like, I think that it's just, he hit a rut and he's not, again, he's a good player. And I think that he will kind of bounce back with Pittsburgh. I really do. Uh, but the fact that there was no salary retention, you got a second round pick and you didn't have to send anything else. It might've been maybe the most like, what's the word I want to look use for it. it like, Low key might have been the best trade just for the fact that like it could have been a trade where Nashville had to give up more or get a really bad return or something. But you got able to get rid of what if you prorate it now uh, about ten million dollars over the next three years um, for a second round pick, and that's ex for a guy who was not performing. I mean, you talk about Chandler Janot's low performance. Mikael Granlund was right there with him, and the fact that those two guys got moved and. You know, you don't, you don't, you know, they, even with the Geno trade, they got Cal foot out of it. And I think he'll be around for a little bit. And so, I mean, th that, those are the trades that it was hard for me to go back and like get myself in the mindset of, yeah, I really didn't like the Niederreiter trade at first because I mean, at this point it's kind of like, all right, yeah, you've, you've more than made up for it. You know, it's like when you, you mess up and you forget a birthday, your girlfriend's birthday. And so then you bring, bring her flowers and then you buy her a car and then you take her on a tropical vacation. <laughs> you know, it's well, like, here's what you do to avoid all of that folks. And this that? is not because I'm speaking from experience here. Uh huh. You marry someone whose birthday is Christmas Eve, because guess Ooh. how many times you're going to forget that your wife's birthday is on Christmas <laughs> Eve. Exactly zero times. So that's what you want to do. You want to pressure first is on, question. Though. The pressure's on, though, in that case, Chase, because then it's uh, my grandma. Her birthday is on on December twenty fifth, and like, mm. no, nobody wants to be like, that's do not brutal, lump man. me in. Do not lump me in with Christmas. I want my yeah. own thing. So yeah, that's hard too. Yeah, I think twenty fifth is way. Worse. That might be the worst. I, that's got to be number one. That has yeah. to be the worst. Thoughts day. and prayers, Chase. Thoughts and prayers. Hey man, we're um, we're six. Our six month is in two weeks. 
pretty wow, great. And they say six, six months. months. Congratulations, dude. Thank you. And they she say six months is the hardest. Yet. They say no. the first six months is the hardest, and we're already through it. So all smooth sailing from here on out. Uh, many forget that everything after six months just gets easier in marriage. So yeah, we're yeah. Good. Except for, except for you hit that 10-year mark, but we can go into that another day. <laughs> I got time for that. God, I'll be 42 at the 10-year mark. Okay, I don't want to do that anymore. We're not doing that. Yeah. Oh. I'm not going to say anything. Thank you, oh. Jeff. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Um, oh. yeah. All done, Brian. But yeah. the draft pick and salary cap breakdown. Let's yes. get into that. Like we'll do, We have we'll everything. Do. That's. But let me just put, like before we get into that, yeah. folks. That is insane how Uh much happened over the last week and how many guys are just out the door, both in the front office, on the ice. Like, there's a cleaning house that you have in your head, but this is a full-on, like, let's give Jeff and Brian control of the Nashville Predators for a week. Like, give a (laughs) sports writer who covers the team the opportunity to run the team, and that's something that happens over the week. This is not how things usually go 99% of the time. I thought about seeing if, if we would want to get uh, Eric to come on and talk about this, but he might be dead from joy just because mm. he's got all these prospects and picks now. But it's it's so let's yeah, let's break it down real fast. So really quickly uh, right now, Nashville has in they right now their projected cap hit is 78 million with four million dollars in cap space, which fine. Um, you know, that's because you've just got things things to take care of and that'll change here shortly they've only got 21 guys on the roster right now i'm sure that's going to change after they finish papering everybody back back and forth in milwaukee um but then when they go down to if you look at the cap hit that they are on the books for for next season um right now uh they would have 15 contracts and 64 million dollars on the books right now for next season uh that goes down to 50 million two years from now so it's, you know, there's space, there's there's room to do things. Not necessarily now. I have to get out of the mindset of you want cap space when it comes to the offseason because now it's kind of like, no, not really. Um, so that's great. But looking at the draft, so in this, uh, this summer in Nashville, Nashville has two first-round picks, two second-round picks, three third-round picks, three fourth-round picks, five or two fifth-round picks, and one sixth-round pick. And this bum organization could not manage to keep a seventh. So um, in 2024, first-round pick, one of their own, three in the second round, one in the third, two in the fourth, one in the fifth. And then they get that seventh back. So all right, they're fine. And then in 2025, there's the two first-round picks, Tampa's, and one pick in the rest of that. What's impressive about that is in those three years, um, in the top 100, in the first three rounds, that is, let's see, five plus six is 11 plus five. So 16 picks in the next three years in the top 100. Um, You know, that's that's four top 50 picks probably uh, for this year, four next year and three. Like they've got options you know when you have one pick you have to decide if they're in the situation they'd have to decide do we replace our defense core do we get somebody who can be a stud a a guy to be a franchise defenseman or do we need a forward you know why not both now they've got that option you know you've got tons of things and it's 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 all I could have hoped for. (laughs) Just to be honest, it's hard to like not to take. Brian is so full of joy right now. Brian is just he's so ready. You were so over the average. Like you were ready for this rebuild. Well, it is, and it sucks. I love Matias at home. I was really sad to see him go, but at the same time, the fans are happier. I'm not getting random 3 a.m. responses to like a random game tweet saying these guys need to get going. I'm like, okay, all right, I get that. Um, They're fun because they are in that officially in that era of throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were very fun and gun in the first like half of the the last game, just just flying up and down the rink, which it was. I don't know how they won that game, but, you know, credit to them. They did. But it's just cool. You get to see these new guys. You've got a reason to, for fans to want to come to a game now late in the season to see some of these new guys. Um, ticket prices are probably going to get cheaper next year. They better. Yeah, because not all organizations do this. Like, yeah. they don't. if you're going to do this, they better go. They better be. They probably won't. But you're going to find more people scalping for cheap, I think. Um, Mr. Haslam, let me give you some advice. So you want to start off great. If you're going to do this slash everything going into this rebuild, you want to just win all kinds of fan support right out of the gate here. That Good is point. the easiest thing you can do. That is the easiest thing you can do. Yeah. And so it's I mean. It's it's really good because now it's it's about the future. You're not worried mm-hmm. about, you know. Yes, you do want them to win games, and yeah, you're not like 
officially, I am not going to be rooting for them to lose um, officially. And, you know, but because you don't really want that. And you don't want that for those guys. You don't want that for Philip Forsberg, who just signed an $8 million or eight-year deal right before all this happened. You know, you don't like that. Oh, which, speaking of, Philip Forsberg's now a minority owner of Nashville SC. With um, And I'm not even going to try to attempt with to say Giannis his name. Antetokounmpo. There's my man. Yes. So him. Giannis. 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 Yeah. So they're they're now they're now uh, minority owners in Nashville SC. Very cool. I thought that. I wonder was if cool. he, can he get in the Preds? Is anything opened up? Because if you look at the Preds office, they have like 37 owners. Is there even space for another co-owner? If someone's got a bunch of money, probably. Yeah. Um, hmm. uh, yeah. But so that was cool. But it's just is it's one of those feelings that like yeah it's it's not going to be fun to watch games for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But how much fun was it before this? <laughs> you know, it's and you just and it, you can have you can get the lip service. You can get the, you know, we're not rebuilding or blah, blah, blah. Or we think we have the pieces and, and it's fine. And sometimes that turns out to be right. And sometimes it doesn't. We know what their plan is because their plan is already in motion and was in motion before we knew it was a plan. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one of those that, you know, what the the you're looking at the the future and the future doesn't look the same as it used to. You don't know where it's going to go, but it's not what you expected. And for that, you know, very thankful. It's going to be fun to, to, to get in there and to watch these guys to, you know, put a big, bigger focus on my old Milwaukee for the, for the casual fans. It'll be great. I, I, I'm happy. I'm so happy, (laughs) man. There you go. Um, do we want to leave it there? Or do we want to hit on a couple other things real quick? Actually, I think that'd be a good spot to, to yeah. call it. Yeah, that's a good one. We have some other stuff that we're going to get into like Fabro and Lincoln's extensions. Uh, we have some, uh, NHL debuts or some injuries, but look, we've, we've got a lot on the docket for next week as well. And we can get into and more Preds. They play tonight actually. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. Probably a loss, uh, which will no, be no, the no, they're playing Chicago. They're playing Chicago but, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> you say that we'll see. Um, yeah. one they have shocked it. me before yeah. so yeah there you go uh jeff what do you want to plug here as we wrap up here uh flames preds what do you have in the docket um yeah i mean lots of both uh had a flame story come out today talking about the ahl uh dustin wolf very good also he, he's up there with yaroslav he, or actually he's been the best goalie in the ahl um so just a little bit, just a little bit ahead of you. You're hurting Brian's feelings. I'm sorry. I, I'm a hurt. I'm hurt because he's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Flames, uh, call him up if things go bad. Talk about that. Um, and they a uh, little bit of trade deadline stuff because they didn't do much um, for that. Um, just going into what they did. Um, Dryden Hunt, I guess. Great. Uh, so, yeah, going to be looking at him and um, probably some more overview stuff and what they should have, could have done, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, Flame stuff, a lot of stuff is coming out. Um, going to be doing a couple stuff, a couple things for on the forecheck as well. Um, Dante Fabro. Okay, I was going to say, about. I was about to say Fabro. that. I was like, if Jeff doesn't know he's doing the Fabro story, he does now. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, doing, uh, doing Dante Fabro um, and... Honestly, anything else could come to my mind within the next couple of days. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting next week. Yeah. There you go. Brian, what about you over at Renegades of Puck and on the forecheck? Um, just more of the same, um, but I am going to use this real fast to plug a few things that are kind of related. Uh, March 24th, if you are in the Nashville area and you're going to be in town, that is in between two games where Nashville is playing Seattle at home. And that is the same day that Pecorino's statue will be unveiled. And I'm really nervous about that because I really hope it's good. Uh, the Renegades Puck is that, are having is is I thought the statue is being unveiled on the 25th. Is it? I thought, I thought it was, it was good. Bef- was it before the game, or I thought they did it on the day that they played Seattle, the well, second game. Th- yeah, I, I'll, we can one find out days, for you. One of those but days. The good yeah. part is uh, March 24th, the Renegades of Puck home base freak out. The second one that they've had, it'll be at Tailgate Brewery uh, down in. Uh, I'll get back to you on that one. It's close to downtown, I believe. Um, so it, it was awesome last year, from what I heard. Because again, I had the I had the the, the Rona, 
um it'll be great there's lots of there'll be people here uh i think eric young was there last time uh friend, friend of the show very much uh, friend of the show uh we had several former players there it was really cool and it's going to be cool this year there's some surprises that i know of um so i'm waiting for, i'm excited for that including a very possible special guest and and the one the only podcasting you know um pioneer chase thomas possibly so we'll see um, but I got a plan for it. Cause if I'm going to make the trip, then I want to go to the game. So we got to talk about like, uh, cause it's weird. The Kraken both times on, uh, what Thursday. I think and, one's a makeup game, right? From, from that has uh, to be right. Yeah, like why else? Is it not so. just, they no, played them back to back a, at home? Yeah. I think it was just a scheduling thing. Cause the yeah. two makeup games were Colorado oh, right. and Columbus. Hmm. See, you got a fact checker now. It's nice. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I do want to, instead of plugging myself, talk about, uh, two people, that I really think need to have a lot of recognition over this last week. First of all, I want to talk about Colby Guy, um, friend of ours. Jeff and I know him. He is covering the Florida Panthers right now. He is doing an incredible job. If you don't, I don't care if you don't care about the the Panthers, go follow him. He's doing great work. Um, he helped us out before this game. He's a really good person. He's someone who deserves a lot of exposure. So please make sure to go and look at his stuff, click through, scroll because he's he's great. But the biggest MVP of this week, the person who won more than maybe David Poyle this week, is I know, I know it, it, it Shayna Goldman. Yeah, <laughs> the the trade deadline has been dominated by the Elliot Friedmans or Kevin Weeks now. Those types of guys, Darren, you know, Darren Dreger, like. Shayna has been somebody who has been incre- an incredible reporter since day one, since I first knew about her. And this trade deadline, she continued to pop off even more and was breaking trades and apparently making some of the old insiders kind of upset because not only was she breaking trades before them, but she was also doing a very good bit where uh, it was all about from from Gossip Girl was her, her th- tweets like it was. She is an incredible person and she is an incredible follow. She will make you smarter. She primarily covers um, the New York area teams for the athletic, but she does literally everything. And she is one of three of the Too Many Men podcast, which is maybe the th- three of the best reporters in hockey. Uh, Sarah Sivian, uh, Allison Lucan, who is, I don't know, if I was ever going to have a, like a fat head on my wall of somebody who wasn't a player, it would be Allison Lucan. Um, so it's again, Shayna is incredible. Make sure you give her the support and you follow her because she has been doing an incredible job. So that's all I wanted to do. I don't even know if I'm going to write this week. We'll see. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, this was great. This was fun. I'm glad yeah. we we're able to do this and give it the time. It needed the time uh, to get through it. And uh, this is uh, we're entering the new era and it'll be interesting to come back and kind of cite this of where things are going. because This is a pivotal. This has been a pivotal week uh, in the direction of the Nashville Predators that sets the stage for a difficult next couple of years uh, for Nashville hockey, but welcomed and difficult. Both can be true. Mm-hmm. Brian, Jeff, thank you as always. And I will talk to y'all next week. See you next week. Yeah. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.